Welcome back. Our next episode, Borderline Raptors, coming up. Very special guest. Back-to-back weeks. Uh, two big-time guests this week. We've got one Eric Smith of the Sportsnet Network. Uh, he calls the games uh, on the radio and is their top sideline uh, reporter, post-game man. Uh, so we get a full session with E. Uh, and he breaks, we break down basically the first half of the Raptors. We give some, uh, some unusual grades to, uh, some of the players on their performance in the first half of the season. Uh, and then we delve really into, you know, what are the scenarios around Lowry that makes sense to be trade, not trade. What does a trade look like? Uh, and then that's pretty much it. It's, 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 it's a Raptor centric, uh, podcast, which makes sense seeing as that's what we are. Uh, and then we dive into what drives you crazy. And then our newest segment, which you should, uh, all look forward to is a, what makes you smile segment, which we, uh, ended the show with. So, uh, always trying to mix things up here for the audience. So, uh, without much further ado to give you a little insight into what you're, uh, should expect in this conversation. Here is E Smith at work. Game six of the finals, 344 to go. Fred Van Vliet with the bandaid on his face drops the three and lets out the huge scream. Ah! I loved it. Van Vliet gets a wide open look, pucks it in. Fred Van Vliet, a huge three pointer. 22 points off the bench as Golden State calls time. Kitch, yellow. Well. Here it is. This is uh, we're making more history on the pod this week. This is uh, another big day for us. Two back-to-back weeks of guests and our first ever repeat guest. One Eric Smith has joined the pod. Eric, I was going to ask that actually. Am I the first repeat guest that you, you've had on? So you just confirmed that for me. What an honor! Is there a T-shirt with this or something then, or no? Uh, underwear. Actually, we oh, have okay. uh, we have lo- we have logoed underwear that we send to our guests now. Yeah, oh, so impressive. You know, impressive. Uh, extra small, I believe, is what your wife said. Um, okay. So now listen, e, this is big. I'm telling you, this is big that you are our first repeat guest. Uh, I don't think I think it's big because I don't think we thought the pod would be lasting this long that we'd ever have a repeat guest. So this is uh, this is a momentous occasion, and we are going to kick things off uh, with you giving us a little bit of your Raptor knowledge insight. Um, around where you think the Raps have, have uh, how far they've come in this first half of the, uh, of the season? Uh, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not splitting any atoms. I think when I say that, uh, you know, we, we were all pretty frustrated, but, and maybe even confused by the, the two and eight start. Uh, and it certainly wasn't looking pretty. Um, you know, I don't know that you're, you're planning any parade routes off, off going into the break two games below 500 still, but the team has certainly looked better the last uh, month, at least if not the last six weeks and, and barring, uh, obviously the the dip the last couple of games trying to deal with COVID and all the restrictions and the safety protocols and everything else. I, I think this team is looking decent. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know if I can come up with a better word than decent right now. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not playing great. They're not playing terrible. They're playing some decent ball right now. And the, the best thing Bart and Kitch is that they're both, they're, they're right in the mix with what, nine other teams, six other teams, like they're right there in the, in, in the kind of thick of it. And that to me gives you then a, a solid fighting chance in the second half of the season. Cause I'll say this too, and I'm sure you're going to get to it. There's not one team other than maybe Brooklyn, maybe Brooklyn. There's not one team that I look at in the East say they invoke fear in me. I'm really scared of them. And I'm including Boston. I'm including uh, Philadelphia. There's other than Brooklyn, there isn't that one team where I'm saying, man, you know what? I don't want to deal with them. Yeah, I think we've talked about that a number of times in the last few weeks around that. And I, but the more and more you watch Brooklyn, and as they seem to find themselves here a little bit, they, I mean, they are starting, I think, to separate themselves a little bit from that fear factor for sure. Um, Milwaukee's obviously starting to play a little bit better too when they get Holiday back. That uh, it'll be interesting to see how well they gel and if, they, if they're going to have sort of that um, that second half surge uh, to make them a little bit scarier. So, but I know I hundred percent agree with you. Uh, the wraps are right in that sort of middling four to five potential seed. Maybe, you know, if things go really well, maybe it's a three seed for them. Um, but I just don't know. Uh, you know, I guess one of the things that I'm confused right now is where is the organization at? Like, what is their thought process? Uh, we're going to talk about Lowry here in a second. But is this a team that they think can make any kind of run? Uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure that they know. I mean, if, if, if the three of us don't know, I'm not sure if they know. And, and I think that they probably felt going into this season that it was going to be a little bit of a transition trying to get ahead to this upcoming off season. And, and I think that's why, and, and I'm sure you guys have discussed this. In, in fact, I know, cause I listen all the time and, you know, uh, of course, you do. You know, of course, of course you do. all the time. Uh, the fact that when, when the, when the Giannis domino drops, right. 
and he ends up, you know, signing the extension and sticking around with Milwaukee. Suddenly that throws the plans into a bit of a loop for the Raptors if they, you know, tried to even if they weren't trying to plan to chase him. How many other guys signed in the offseason, this past offseason, which then takes so many other people away from the mix uh, for this coming summer? And again, that ties into the decisions you made with Marcus Saul and even more so the decision you made with Serge Ibaka. So had you known ahead of time that Giannis is off the table, that all bunch of others are off the table, would you have re-signed at least one of, if not both of those guys? Would you then be in a better position right now for this season and for the future, knowing that, okay, we've we've got Gasol and or Ibaka, or we've got Ibaka and or Gasol, plus we've got Van Vliet locked up, and we've got Pascal Siakam locked up, and now we've extended OG Anobi. We're looking pretty good. Well, now it's... Giannis has re-signed. A bunch of other guys have re-signed. There's not going to be the sweepstakes and the, and the lottery that we thought there'd be come summertime. So now how are we going to shift and, and, and pivot midstream here, knowing that, oh, hold on a second. We've now got at least one, if not two major decisions of our own regarding Kyle Lowry and Norm Powell. But okay, we've still got in our back pocket OG, Fred, and Pascal signed in. So I think that it's it's confusing. It's, it's kind of that, that flux right now where you're looking at saying, all right, we know we're a good team but we're not a great team. So are we going to take the hit right now and say, we'll, we'll just scratch and claw and compete and try and be last year's Miami Heat and, and get into a conference finals or NBA finals as a sixth seed and catch fire at the right time in the playoffs? Or is it, no, we're going to gear up and, and really go for, you know, go for broke right now uh, and make sure that we are a championship contender this year and for years to come. And that's, that's the quandary right now. And I'm not sure what the magical answer is because the, the fear that I have, and this is now getting ahead to your Larry question, the fear I have is, uh, if you're stocking up, great, but what's it costing you to stock up? And if Lowry decides to leave in the offseason after you've just stocked up to try and build around him for a run, what position are you in? Where does that put you at that, that now? And if you're stocking up somehow means you've had to deal Lowry in, able, in order to do that, does he come back and bite you come playoff time, especially if you were to trade him to an Eastern Conference team? So, that's why I don't get paid the big bucks, man. I think Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri have got a lot of tough decisions to make here in the next, uh, what, less than three weeks before the trade deadline. All right. So, hang on. Listen, a ton to unpack now. Yeah. All of a sudden. Lots. You have, listen, yeah. Listen, did you not get the agenda I sent you earlier? Yeah, but I don't know. That's fine. I know. Listen, for listener 76, we appreciate you listening and doing this. Listen, I've been doing this live radio thing for a long time. You don't, you don't, (laughs) you don't just follow a script, man. You go where the conversation (laughs) takes you. All right. Well, listen, now you're taking us somewhere else and Kitch, I'm going to go to you first on this one, because we've talked about this a number of times. So you mentioned the whole Giannis thing, not working out. And that was sort of, we think everyone thinks that was sort of the, the plans that were trying to be laid. So Kitch, you take us in this direction because, because he brought us here. How does your jury not have a better sense of what was going to happen? Like we've talked about this, like your jury for as great as he's been, I think he has to own a little bit of this because now we are middling. So I think let's, let's dissect. Where is this? Where does this lie with your jury kitsch? Yeah. So I, we, we talked about this numerous times. Like you said, is the fact that he kind of, I think got caught a bit with his pants down. Like I think he sold sort of this year in the tense and the chance of getting a Giannis next year. And in doing so, we let those guys walk that could have been valuable, valuable assets this year. And and the fact you see now is we're kind of stuck. And, and going back to to uh, the deadline coming up here, do we are we all in this year? Are we are we just kind of meddling this year and hoping that we can build for the future? And we don't want another uh, we don't want another Chris Bosh situation when when you lose when you lose your guy and all of a sudden you're back to uh, to to the rebuild mode, which. Uh, Never seems to be a great a great answer for the NBA. Okay, let me let me jump in on this because I'm going to give you even more to unpack here. Kitch, I'm not saying you're wrong that that may very well indeed be the case, but I'll give you Jerry and, and Webster uh, a bit of a pass in in some senses. By the time last off season rolled around, we were already what at least six months, roughly if not more, into COVID and and the craziness. But if we were to rewind to damn near a year ago to the day. And you're sitting down in your office and you're Masai Ujiri, you're Bobby Webster, and you're trying to, you know, blueprint the next 6, 12, 18 months and and what might happen. You weren't banking on a global pandemic that was going to shut stuff down and change the face of your organization and the face of the the entire league. And part of the reason I bring that up is if I'm Giannis Antetokounmpo, now I go back. Let's let's pretend we're Giannis for a second. We'll go back 6, 12, 18 months. 
Maybe I am thinking about the Toronto Raptors or the Miami Heat or the New York Knicks or the LA, whoever it is. I'm thinking I might be leaving Milwaukee. Global pandemic comes and I'm looking at the finances going, all right, you know what? I'm not willing to leave an extra year on the table anymore. I'm not willing to leave the higher percentage increases that come with staying with my current team versus going to another team. Because so basically, and I'm throwing a number out, but it's going to equate to roughly around the $50 million range. Maybe 12, 18 months ago, I was willing to leave $50 million on the table to go to another team and to leave the Bucks. Now, no. You know what? I'm signing this max extension. And even if I bail on it a year in, two years in, then I leave. Then I go to Toronto, New York, LA, Miami, wherever. But now I'm signing this deal. And that's where I think maybe the Raptors, the Heat, the Lakers, whoever, got a sense of Giannis is willing to move on. Giannis might be leaving Milwaukee. We can be a player, whatever. And then all of a sudden the bubble hits and the offseason hits and Giannis and his reps. Like, listen, I'll throw it to, to you guys. You're both money guys, especially Kitsch. Would you not be advising your client take as much freaking money right now and stockpile as much as you can and do not leave and lock in your future as much as you can? And when this pandemic's over, you want to then bail in a couple of years, you want to go to a different team, fine. But right now, take the cash and get it done. Yeah, but but so I, I agree with that. But the thing is, so then Ujiri, did he not? could he not have foreseen that? Like, like okay, he's probably going to stay because the money's not there. We better keep around Ibaka. We better keep around one of Ibaka Gasol because – if that if 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 he's thinking of this through as a money perception, then he should realize there's probably a good chance Giannis is going to stay. We got to we got to protect a big. So that that's where I think he kind of dropped dropped the ball a bit by not forecasting forecasting that. Okay. Yeah, like I think I think that is the whole uh, discussion point or the potential argument to to knock you jury a little bit on this is that hey, this was in December. Everyone was well aware of the pandemic. The bubble was long gone and we have obviously a shortened uh, unrestricted free agency season. But clearly when he does not pay Ibaka, Gasol, you know, you can probably make a bit more of an argument to not resign. But when you don't resign Ibaka for for what he then went and signed for in uh, LA, you're sitting there going, okay, well, I think the distinct impression was Ujiri clearly had some knowledge that there was at least a chance that uh, Giannis was going to be in play, or at least that Giannis was going to go to free agency, right? But that, I mean, two weeks later, Giannis resigns and everything is now blown up. So I, again, I'm not, I agree. Listen, you never know necessarily these things, but it's a bit of an old boys club, uh, the GM world. You have to assume people are talking. You know, like It just seems like you, Jerry, was caught off guard by this one too. See, and I, I wonder too, uh, again, devil's advocate, you, you very well could be right. Are you hedging your bets a little bit in the sense that as I said, a bunch of guys, not just Giannis, but a bunch of guys are off the table now that we thought were going to be there next year. Maybe there's a guy that Ujiri's got in mind that none of us are thinking about or none of us are really targeting at this point. And, and, and that's the reason why. Because listen, I'm agreeing with you when you look at it and think, if the stories are accurate, and I, I'll be honest, I have not personally spoken to Serge Ibaka, haven't spoken to his agent. But if the story that we've heard is true, that he wanted two years at X price and the Raptors were only willing to go one year at Y price, and that's where it broke down because Serge wanted at least the two-year deal and the Raptors weren't willing to go there, then that leads me to think, and this was after Giannis had signed and whatnot, right? Then that leads me to believe that the Raptors clearly valued the financial flexibility still, even knowing that they might not be landing that biggest fish of all that they they had hoped that they'd be in on. So uh, listen, was it a mistake? Was it a calculated decision? Was it a, a, a decision made because of age, because of impact on team? I, I don't know. At the end of the day, would the Raptors be better right now with Serge Ibaka? Yes, they would be. I think we would all agree. I think Ujiri would agree to that. I just guess that uh, you know the price for them wasn't right. And is that because they're eyeing the offseason thinking, no, we still want that flexibility? Because here's the other thing, too, and I'll bring something else up. When was the last <laughs> please, time? Please do. Please when do. was the last time the Raptors landed a big fish? I mean, a legit big fish in free agency. Uh, never. Right. So... <laughs> Maybe the financial flexibility is to give yourself the flexibility with your cap to absorb a significant contract that's coming via trade and to need to have that ability. And I'm not saying that that's Giannis. I'm saying anybody, just like when they made the Kawhi Leonard move with with DeRozan, to have that ability to absorb that type of player coming back in return. So that could be another factor in what Webster and and Ujiri ultimately decided by making sure they have as much cushion as possible, knowing, hey, even if we don't, land the fish in the market on free agency, we can be a player in the trade market. That's, again, just a, a, a what if or a possibility. 
right. So can I break this down for our listeners? Because I think you and I just said the exact same thing. Uh, but the way that you said it was, you know, a pr- more eloquent for sure. And very, uh, <laughs> and very sort of like, wow, maybe almost made me feel bad for you, Jerry, uh, at the end of it. <laughs> I can, like, can you, any chance you, what's your speaking fee? Could you come to my office like every Tuesday and explain all my decisions or non-decisions to my staff like that? Because if you did that, I think everyone would love me. Well, listen, I really, I, really do. I, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. I can, because I'm looking to make <laughs> yeah. as much cash and as much side hustle money as I can during this pandemic. So I'm, I, you know, I'm available yeah. for a fee. Absolutely. Anytime you want. I mean, this, I'm not being paid for this one. This is a, this is a podcast for friends. If you want me to come <laughs> to speak to your, your staff, I'll do it daily. If you want, yeah, I'll, I'll record, yeah. you know, positive. Vi- and the fact that you think that I'm positive, I need my wife on the line now because she thinks <laughs> I'm the most negative person in the world. No. I so, didn't say positive. I just said we were saying the same thing. You just said it differently. Oh, I'm just more almost, eloquent. Okay. And, and I think confused everybody to make it feel like your jury is like the victim here, which oh. is totally fine. Hey, listen, I want that's what I need at work. That's what I'm saying at work. I need to be the victim at work. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I, yeah, and anytime, anytime. Let's work it for you. <laughs> yeah. Off the air. Off the air. All right. So listen. All right. Let's we'll get off we'll get off your jury's uh plight here in a second. But let's let's get back to the first half of the Raptors. I, I think and this pod has been a little bit hard on a couple of these players, but I want to go through, uh, I'm going to give you five names and I want you to give me a, you can either rate them one to 10. You can go ABC. You can just give your opinion on, on sort of what they've been the first half. All right. So first name, Freddie. Outstanding. Uh, okay. you want more than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it, is it outstanding like eight and a half out of 10, nine out of 10? Well, like, well you said, hold on a second. You said I could go numbers if I wanted, I chose to not want well, it. Now, I'm trying to find outstanding. He did. He did say that. You know what? Outstanding in your world could be a six out of ten. I don't know. I'm trying to frame. I I don't know. Does it matter? Seven, eight, nine. I think he's been outstanding. I think he's been the best Raptor. I think he got hosed for the All Star game. I think he should have been an All Star. I think he should have been there at the very least. If I only had to pick one name, one thousand percent, he should have been there ahead of Vucevic. There's no chance that Vucevic should have been there as an all-star, especially with the record that the Magic have right now. Not that the Raptors are blowing the world away two games below 500, but when the when the votes were in, when the when the reserves were announced, the Raptors were either they were at 500 or a game above. And I've always held steadfast and true for years that you should not be an all-star if your team's below 500. If you're that that good, then why does your team stink? So to me, Freddie has been the glue that's kept this thing together all season. And his team, at least when it was announced, when the reserves were announced, when the coaches put in their ballots, he was playing at an all-star level with a team that was at or above 500. And I would have had him there ahead of Vooch, if not others, but definitely Vooch. All right. So I I think you can absolutely make that argument. Uh, well, no, I can. I, I am. And it's, no, I, I think you can make that argument. We, we talked about it uh, at length. I think the voting requirements – Right, what you can and cannot vote for for these coaches that you have to vote for a certain number of bigs or forwards or guards, yeah, right? So I think he got spots. there's there are the two, two wild card, cards. right? Yeah, the two wild cards. So, but I think he probably got lost in that shuffle a little yeah. bit. And again, like in Freddie's whole career, right? He's probably been overlooked his entire career, whether you be the collegiate level, not getting drafted, you know. So there's probably some of that. But yeah, I listen. Let, let's not go to that path because I am like the biggest Freddie guy here, right. and I said he should have been an all star last year. That's where I was. All right, I maybe I saw the future. Maybe that's not the future. Uh, okay, uh, let's go Norman Powell. Um, second best Raptor. So I don't know. What do you you want me to give you a number again? Like like he's 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 legitimately put himself. Uh, he is a starter for this team. He should no longer be coming off the bench unless the Raptors were to make a move that acquires some sort of like stud four or five that forces you to go back to more of a traditional, uh, you know, big quote unquote lineup. Because I think right now I'm fully, fully supporting and, and endorsing playing with the smaller lineup and having him in the starting lineup along with OG and, and Pascal with, with Freddie and Kyle in the backcourt. I, I think he's a legit starter and I think he's very quickly gone from a guy that you, um, we're wondering what you might do with him in the offseason and the contract. And uh, is he a piece that you could potentially move on from to I would rather see him back than see him gone? Because I don't know if, again, going back to, you know, if you haven't landed a major free agent in history, like, I mean, a major legit free agent, you have via trade number a number of times. But is there a player in the league that you feel you can sign or acquire that's better than Norm Powell. Now, if the answer is yes, then okay, cool. I'm not sure I know of that player. 
And 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 that would be my fear. Like, do you think you can replace, let's just say minimum 15, but can you replace 15 to 20 a night, three-point threat, slasher to the hoop, pretty decent defender uh, that may or may not give you a bit of a hometown discount, maybe. Can you replace that with somebody else in the league? So I, I've very quickly gone from, eh, I'm on the fence, yeah, to he's a legit piece that I would try and keep around. Yeah. So you, you, if you, if you, as you know, because you listen to the pod every week, if you tune yes. into the pod in the early part of the season, uh, we, we were, we were, we were anti pal. We had a pal, we had a, we had a pal section on, on how he's the worst player out there. He's terrible. And we have eaten crow on that because he has been a oh. rock star oh. for the last 15 years. Oh, oh, hang on, hang on a second. We, I would, yeah. we will go back. You, Mike, you were, Mike, you were Mike go back. No, no, that's wrong. Oh, Mike, go back. We're going to have to go back and play the tapes. Uh, there's no way. I, realize if i was down on norm it was for like half a second i realized very quickly that we had something here i was a norm guy pretty much from the jump uh now that be just so again so i'm gonna break this down freddie was outstanding we're gonna so we'll we'll equate that to an a and now we're gonna equate uh norm to an a minus so he's outstanding minus he's outstanding <laughs> okay, minus. okay right, perfect right, got it all right sure. uh next og and anobi um <sighs> Again, you're screwing me up with these numbers and grades and everything else. I mean, like I'll do it. Listen, I'm in the grading system. Incomplete. Oh, incomplete. Ooh, ooh. I'll tell you and, what, and, parents don't like to see that in the report card. Yeah, or, 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 or. All right, here. You know, my kid just got his report card last week. So, what, isn't it? Isn't it? Aren't we going like uh, NA or or no? Yeah, need no NI needs improvement. Satisfactory, huh? good, yeah. and very good. Right. See, those are the. You know what? Twenty minutes into the pod, you're catching on. Here we go. All right, good. You twenty minutes to get onto the pod, so you know I'm just you know at least I'm at least I'm (laughs) catching up midstream here, like on the pod. Um, At least you're still here. At least you're still here. I'll say satisfactory. You know, I won't say it's not very good. I won't say good. I'll say satisfactory. And part of that is to you know to to cut him a little bit of slack. I think it's the injury factor, you know, being gone from the lineup as much as he was. And I think that we've seen in some spurts and, and, and decent long stretches this year, man, to start the year, he was a hell of a threat from, from distance and especially those corner threes. And he was jumping up and having some big games where, where he's like your leading scorer. He's damn near right in the mix there alongside Freddie and Pascal. And he's, he's putting up 18, 20 a night. And then a couple games later, he's down at five points, a couple of boards. And we're saying, okay, well, at least he, you know, he, he defended well, which is fine. But I think we're at that point now in his okay. in his uptick and in his, in his projection that we want more and we want to see it consistently at more and more being more rebounding, more scoring, more defense, more um, impact on the game on both ends. And I think, you know, that comes part and part with uh, the big contract as well. You, you're, you're being paid to do more, so you got to do more and be more. So I think he's had a good season, but not a great season. I think the injuries have impacted. So that's why I'd say satisfactory. He's fine. He's He's getting by, but I want to see some more. Well, I'll tell you what we uh, we went through his contract uh, when he signed it, and we went. Uh, I provided a list of names of guys in the league making similar, like within two million on either side, making uh, OG kind of money. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, go through that list, you'll be hard pressed to pick a name that's not OG. Said I'd rather have that guy right. than OG. So I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I would probably get him a little. I have him satisfactory plus. Uh, in my ranking system, but uh, I, I, I find I hear okay you. With that. I hear I'm okay with so, that. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. I didn't know there was a satisfactory plus, but I'll, I'll well, go listen. With that. This yeah. is a whole new grading system we're providing the world here. Um, all right. Listen, I'm Kitsch is going first on this one because I think this talking about the Norm Powell segment that we used to have, we definitely have had a Pascal segment that's been all over the map uh, with respect to what we think. But Kitsch, we have not heard from you in a while on Pascal, and I want you to try and so take a deep breath. Okay. And I want you to soak in. I want you to soak in his last 10 games. Remember that. Okay. And now you're going to give us your grade, whatever system you've got going I'll and I'll, I'll tidy it up for the listeners. Uh, and then I'm going to go to E. So you go with, with Pascal. So the last 10 games, he's finally kind of, I think, known his role a little bit here. Like, so, so he, he's, he was trying to do things that wasn't Pascal like in the first few games. He was forcing like the number of threes he threw up that were just that were and, and kept throwing them up, thinking that it's going to go in. That's not his game. His game is taking to the hoop, uh, maybe throwing up two or three threes a game, but but going to the hoop and using his length as his power. Like he he, he when he does those 
pivots to both sides. He was only going one way in the season two, and the teams are on him. Now he's going left. So now we now we've actually he's actually been able to make the defender play more true as opposed to cheating on one side and cutting him off. So the last 10 games, I think he's definitely been much better. Um, is he our superstar guy down the stretch? I still don't believe that. I don't think he's the guy we want to give the ball at the end of the game to win the game for us. Um, so uh, I will give him, I'll give him a, 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 like I gave him a very unsatisfactory for the first 10 games. So the last 10 games, I'll move him up to satisfactory, may not, but not quite satisfactory plus yet. Oh, just below satisfactory plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. E. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't entirely disagree with, with a lot of what Kitsch just said. I mean, you know, he's been, he's been up and down this year, uh, but he's been, to his credit, as you talked about, Bart, he's on the uptick, so he's trending in the right direction. So if we're looking at current day, Pascal, and not first 10, 15 games of the season, uh, you want your players improving as the season goes on. You want them getting better. You want them recognizing their mistakes and, and what they're doing wrong and what they need to change or alter to be better, to, you know, individually, let alone to, to help the team. So I think he's certainly trending in the right direction. Uh, I, I, I think there's a couple things. I want to I address the one point that Kitsch said, too. And this is where, again, Bart, this is me being, uh, you know, I need, to, I need to, 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 you know, speak to your employees, apparently. I need to speak to Kitsch. Go ahead. I Go would ahead. say this about Pascal. Here's where I cut him some slack. Last year, everybody was on the Pascal train. Oh, my God, he's unbelievable, and what a player he is, and what a diamond in the rough, and he's an all-star, and da 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 And now we're just going to cast him off 15 games into a season where one thing I will say, and, and, and I'm, I, I'm guilty of this. I've said this on my radio show a couple times, too. I don't want to be like – everything's awesome and everything's fine and we just all got to come together and it's the love and peace and whatever. But I think we have to factor in for all of us, all four of us that are on this conversation right now and, 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 and for the thousands that are listening, you know, I think that we have to factor in the mental impact, let alone the physical impact of the last 12 months and how all of us react differently, including professional athletes. So was he starting the season as a guy that maybe wasn't as mentally where he needed to be. And, and listen, I'm not trying to create a story. I'm just asking the question, is it a possibility? Is it a possibility that he wasn't where he needed to be mentally or physically? How much of the offseason impacted him that he spent a bulk of the time in Toronto where he wasn't able to get into a gym and work on his game like so many guys that were in other parts of the world and certainly stateside? How much of an impact did it make on him and so many others on the Raptors having to relocate, find a new home, set up in Tampa, be on the road for all the games, all of that stuff. You know, how much of an impact does it make being now, as much as he was the lead dog last year with Kawhi Leonard gone, well, he still had Serge Ibaka. He still had Marc Gasol creating space for him in the lane. Bigs that were on the floor that took pressure off of him, whether it be in the post or on the perimeter, there were other threats on the floor. So now you truly are the go-to guy and truly are the number one guy on the scouting report for a lot of teams because there is no Kawhi, there is no Danny Green, there is no Marc Gasol, there is no Serge Ibaka. So this has been the truest test. So last year, he was passing all of our tests, and he was an all-star. Now this year, with everything that's going on, 15, 20 games in the season, oh, terrible, he's awful, he's not an all-star, we paid too much money, he's not going to be able to do it. Well, hold on a second. Now we're 30, 35 games in, we start seeing, okay, hold on, he's playing a little bit better, he's starting to you know, do what he's supposed to do, numbers are starting to go up, looks a little more comfortable, well... Maybe there's a reason for that, and maybe right. people were kind of uh, you know dumping on the guy a little bit too much too early. Listen, you are you are an expert at your craft, clearly, because you you've done it again. You just started <laughs> the segment. You just started the segment by agreeing with Kitch, who basically wasn't overly complimentary. Said borderline satisfactory plus. No, no, he said satisfactory, borderline satisfactory plus. That's right. Yeah. So, which is and it, was, it wasn't a ringing endorsement. And now, by the end of your soliloquy here, we now have the victim, Pascal, uh, and everyone's <laughs> feeling sorry for him. I get well, it. Honestly, well it, done. Is, well done. Is satisfactory is it not derived from the word satisfied? So if you are satisfactory, then people are satisfied. So they, they, my appetite has been satisfied. I just would like a little bit more. So you know that that cake was good. I just would love another slice. But I'm it okay. Also come, it also comes to the word working in a factory too. In factories, <laughs> you want you want to be better than that. So there's some down downplay that as well. So listen, I, it's fine. Look at that. you did. Listen, that was that was a good assessment. Now I'm gonna uh, throw my assessment in here on Pascal, uh, because I think what happened here a little bit. And I, so I agree with all the, the, the pandemic stuff. He clearly didn't handle it well. And this goes back to the bubble. Like they, uh, Jack McMullen, uh, I apparently spent a lot of time with him in the bubble. 
and I was listening to her on, on the Bill Simmons podcast. This is a few weeks ago. And she said he clearly was just not himself, was not mm-hmm. right, was not comfortable. Uh, I think he had his brother in there and there were just some family shit going on. Like, so, so he clearly was not himself, but this is, this is sets the foundation for it. I really do believe Raptors fans were going into that bubble thinking we had a chance to win the entire thing. And, and you know what? I was one of them with the second best record in the league, uh, uh, pre-pandemic we're going in this bubble and from the jump pascal's not himself okay yep. uh didn't matter the first round second round he's he, he's just not good against boston right and you can you can make the argument that uh you know he cost us that series just because he wasn't playing at a, at a decent level uh at any point during those seven games so all of a sudden now the fans are just you know and you know better than anybody in the, today's world you're just going to get eaten alive for that stuff no one gives a shit about mental health and you know on twitter and all that. and i'm not I'm not saying that's right. They totally should. And, and as you've heard and learned more about it, he clearly was struggling. So you think, all right, now that we're out of the bubble. We come back in. I agree, shortened season, shortened off season. It's still uh, not normal times. But he comes out of the gates really, really slow again. People are like, well, now I think the worry then becomes, have we lost this guy for good? So to your point, yeah, all of a sudden everyone's you know casting him off 15 games into a season. That was probably a little premature. Uh, we were probably a little premature in this pod. So I'm saying this in a roundabout way. I am definitely satisfactory plus, and I'm going to tell you why. 21, six, and five. There aren't a lot of guys in the league doing 21, six, and five. Right? He's at a career high of assists. Uh, he's definitely on the uptick. And yeah, I think you could. It, it's really easy to fall into that overly harsh uh, assessment of him. Going, but I think people still remember the bubble and uh, and how bad it was. And you know, and here we are, sort of middling two games and underneath 500. And he is our guy. Right. I mean, whether he wants to be or not, he was kind of our guy last year. And I know what you're saying. Listen, we cannot uh, we cannot underestimate uh, how important uh, Gasol and and really a Baca were to that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I agree. He's in a, he's in a tougher spot now because he doesn't have any of that help. So uh, I am Pascal satisfactory plus borderline getting to outstanding with him. Wow, that's a big jump from satisfactory yeah. to outstanding. Like, See, on, the, on, the, on the grade school grading, we go from satisfactory to good, good, yeah. and then to very good. But you're yeah, going a, from satisfactory uh, to outstanding. We're trending. Wow. We're trending. Wow. We're trending. Yeah, listen, I think if he keeps going, the, if he plays the next 35 games like he has his last 10, you watch his numbers are only going to go up, and he will be he from a a, a a what's player efficiency rating is he's going to be a top 20 guy. He's going to be a top 20 guy in that category. So, listen. I think the expectations were super high. He ran into some issues, uh, but I think, yeah, I, I, I feel much better about the Pascal that we are, are staring at these days. Uh, okay, listen, last one, and it's going to talk. We're going to delve right into the second topic here, which is the Lowry situation. But let's let's give Lowry our our grading uh, for the first half of the season, and then we're going to start talking about where Lowry goes. Uh, well, then I'll I'll put him at the good. You know, that's he's he's good. been better than satisfactory, and and he's just below. I mean, just below where Fred's been at, because I, I think the two of them have been, you know, kind of anchoring this this whole thing. I, th- I think, you know, I think Lowry's been Lowry. I think he's been good, if not very good. He's done his job. He's kept this team, you know, in the mix. And the fact that you still um, are looking at him as either a a valuable piece to what we're doing, who's helping us win on on any given night, or b because he's still playing as well as he is, and having that type of value on his team. That is making him still very valuable as a potential asset if we decide that we ultimately want to move him or if he wants to be moved. So, I, you know, I, I can't say anything really negative about what Kyle's done this season. Okay, I got All right, Kitch, do you want to chime in on Larry before, we, before I get to the real scenario? I'm the same way as he. I'm good. He's he's a gamer. He he brings it. Every night he plays, he brings it. Like He, he never doesn't take nights off. He is. Uh, yeah, he hasn't been like our record without him has been very surprising this year, which has maybe led us to believe that we can be a decent team without him. But uh, he he's the glue, and I I wish I honestly wish he was the guy that we got got the ball at the end of the game. Like when we need a we need um, a score, I think he's our he's our guy that that we need we need to take. Unbelievable! We're done with the Pascal segment. Look, you just take a dig, just throw a shot in the Pascal. My my trending outstanding minus, and you just dig at him. That is not uh, okay. Uh, so. Listen, I think if he's, uh, you said Norm was our second best Raptor, which I de- definitely agree with, but Lowry's like right there. So I've got him, I've got him uh, good plus, good plus, just below Norm, good plus. Um, good plus. And I do also think that um, he is the engine for this team. If we're ever doing anything meaningfully uh, this season, then he's going to be the engine for that team to, to do it. Now, I say that, and I'm going to say this in my next breath. 
I think it's unquestionably the right thing to do to trade him. Um, I, I think we have no choice but to trade him. So here, here's where I'm going with this. Listening to the uh, in my five-hour ride from Atlanta to Hilton Head last night, I listened to the Simmons podcast with Rosillo. And Rosillo came out right and said, Larry's been telling people, I don't know if you heard this, but Larry's been telling people apparently for a month that he's about to be traded. He did sell his house, uh, which was the kitsch uh, uh, nugget that we got a few weeks ago. And so now it would appear that everything is pointing in the direction that Lowry is not going to be a Raptor be, uh, by the by the trade deadline. So let's let's just talk about whether or not you believe uh, trading Lowry would be the right thing to do. Uh, I've been going back and forth on this on 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 a damn near daily basis. My fear, and this is why you know, and and I know this plays into to both of your worlds. You, you, I think you both know I'm not a very good gambler because I don't <laughs> like. Well, first of all, I don't have a lot of money, but I don't losing what little money I do have. Uh, and this is where I I know that, I, that I'm I'm not good at this because the the gambler, the very small you know meek gambler in me, is nervous that if you deal him, he's coming back to bite you. And the only way that he doesn't come back to bite you is if he you trade him to the Western Conference. And then the only way that he would bite you then is if you make it all the way to the finals and you end up facing him in the finals. So I would be apprehensive about trading Kyle Lowry, let's just say, to Philadelphia and then facing the Sixers in the postseason. I don't want to deal with that. And what are you getting for him? Because that's the other thing. And this is why I've avoided for tw- almost 25 years – think you guys might have listened to me a couple times. My my standard line has always been, I hate talking fantasy trades because I don't see the point in it. Like if there's a legit rumor out there that can actually be, you know, quantified or, or attached to somebody where there are legit sources, fine. But for the three of us or four of us to sit around and to just start throwing out names and ideas and what if they did this and what if they did that and what about this and I came up with this and I threw it into the trade machine. What's coming back? Because here's the other thing too. I, on one hand, I understand the well, if he leaves in the offseason, we got nothing back in return for him. But, well, what are you getting back, though? If you're getting back, like, a player that's not a great player and a couple of picks, is that really any better than just holding on to Kyle and making a run for it and hoping that you catch lightning in a bottle like the Heat did last year? That's what I, where I'm a little bit apprehensive on. If I'm making a trade, it's still got to be a trade that is improving my team. Whether it's improving short-term or long-term, it has to be improving my team, not just the sake of making a trade for making a trade. Okay. So I agree with you. Now, what about this scenario? Yes. Uh, you're going to, you're not going to resign him, right? If, if, if Lowry has told the, uh, the that's team, if you believe this story. No, but if know? Lowry, let's just say, let's just assume Lowry has told the team, uh, I'm not coming back here next year. It's my last, it's my last free agent, uh, scenario of my career. I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere. Else. I'm either going to go back to Philadelphia, whatever. They just know that they're not resigning because listen, they made the mistake with Bosch, n- not this administration, but they made the mistake with Bosch. It's I I don't agree with the you should get nothing in return uh, in the hopes that he's going to resign. Like you have to know you're resigning him or that there's a legitimate shot at it. Um, so I don't I mean I don't I don't think he's going to resign now based on what you're what you're hearing. But so oh can I I got to give you another hold on I got to give you another hold on. Right, we're gonna edit this one out, but go ahead. Bart, you're you're putting <laughs> a lot of stock in and listen I hey. Ryan Rosillo is a bigger name and, and and got a bigger paycheck and a bigger reach and a bigger platform than I do. But I, here's what I'll tell you. As a guy working in the NBA, I do not believe 95% of what I hear unless it's coming from Adrian Wojnarowski or Sham Sharania. If it's not coming from one of those two guys, I'm taking 95% of what I hear with a massive grain of salt. And you're putting a lot of stock in that that one report. I'm telling you my sources are telling me as well. Yeah. And selling and selling a house in a pandemic where everybody's just getting like, listen, if I put my house up today for sale, I'm getting about three hundred thousand dollars more for it than I would have, you know, six months ago, let alone 12 months ago. The real estate market's bonkers. And Kyle Lowry's not even living in Toronto and he might be leaving Toronto. Makes a hell of a lot of sense to sell your house. If I end up coming back to Toronto, I'll find a new house. All right. Here's the scenario. All right. We're going to trade him. We're going to get a first round pick. And okay. a young player that, yes, you're never going to know if that young player is going right. to be something special or not. I, I, so the trade that that you kind of hear about is a first from Philly uh, and Maxi or Thibold. Uh, right. I like both those players. But, yeah, there's, you have no idea if they're ever going to be a, Cal, right. a Kyle Lowry type or an all-star or anything like that. You don't know. But you're going to get something young back that has potent, that has upside. Like I think I'm going to consider every single one of those trades. And if I'm not feeling great about 
signing Kyle Lowry in the offseason, then I'm probably pulling the trigger on it because I don't want to be left holding the bag in June when right. Lowry says, yeah, see you later. I, I told you I sold my house. Well, and I'll, I, I told Rosillo was right. Yeah. No, listen, I'll say this. I'll say this. And then this is where I will agree with you because uh, it was, who was it? Tim Bontemps. Tim Bontemps from, from, uh, from ESPN. He, uh, he was on my radio show a week or two ago. And I said, very similar to what you just said, Bart, the what if, what if Kyle walks in the off season and you look back now on the last two years and say, we lost Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, and Kyle Lowry for nothing. Because four of those five guys have already left as free agents with nothing in return. Kyle would be the lone guy that you would get something for. And the answer that Bontemps gave, which kind of stopped my stopped me in my tracks for a second, I, and I acknowledge he was probably right, so I'm saying it to you now, you didn't get nothing. You got a championship. Oh, that, no, well, that, you did. You got a championship. That's bullshit. This is, no, no, it's not. Because here's the thing. Everything we've been talking about for now, I'm looking at the screen, almost 40 minutes here is, and it's understandable, as fans, you want to be a championship contender every year. You want the title every year. How many teams haven't won the title? How many teams, like I'm talking, haven't won a title ever in any sport, but especially if we're just talking NBA. To be a team, to me, and this is where maybe I'm different from you guys and I'm working it, not, not necessarily paying as a fan and whatever like you guys do. To be in the conversation every year is good enough for me. To be in the playoffs every year is good enough for me. Now, that's not to say I want to be a treadmill team and I only want to be an eight seed, the sixth seed for 10, 15 years. But you know what? If I were running a business, if I can be a playoff team every year, if I can get at least a couple of playoff dates and the revenue from that, if I can then once every three, five, seven years be legitimately in the championship conversation, it's pretty damn good. And I think we've been, I think we've been kind of um, maybe teased or we've been, we've been sort of wowed now by the fact that this team's been damn good for nearly a decade. They won the title two years ago, and now that we've had the taste, that's all we want. And it might take more than a season or two or three to build this thing back up again. Only 20 franchises have won a championship in NBA history. Only 20, and that's including like Baltimore Bullets, just for example. There you that's go, two Mike. Third. That's two-thirds of the league. Is that supposed to be good? Well, we did this. We did this a while back, where we got our answers were very wrong about how many teams have won an NBA title. So, uh, all right, listen, I, I hear you. I'm going to come back to your comment, Kitch. Trade Lowry, yes or no? So, I think I, by by March 25th, I think it is it's the deadline. Yeah, it is. So, by March 25th, I think I think Uzai's going to sit. got to sit there and say, "All right, are we going to win it this year? Is this the year? Do we have a chance to to win the East with the team we have?" Um, or can we can we make a trade that's going to win it this year? And if not, I think you definitely have to dish Lowry to get something for him. Like if you think we're just going to finish middle of pack, or probably might get a playoff one playoff round win in, um, I think you try you try to get something for him for sure. But if you think this place, like he said, can, can catch fire, if Toronto can catch fire in the playoffs, and we can make a run in the playoffs, then then maybe you keep him and and, and hope for that. But the way Brooklyn is catching fire now, and if they stay healthy. I just can't see us contending against those guys in the East. So listen, I agree. If you don't think this team's got an Easter Conference final run in it with another with another piece, because you're gonna have to go get another piece to be able to do that. I don't know who that is. Uh, I don't know if it's a Drummond type or whatever. But you're gonna need another piece. If you're not going in that direction, if you're gonna stay, if we stay on Pat and don't do anything, just keep Lowry. Well, then yeah, this is a middling team that maybe steals around, uh, but unlikely to get to Easter Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals team, you never know what could happen. Look at the Heat last year. Uh, so that's where I think you have to assess it. If we can get to the Eastern Conference Finals, then you know, yeah, then I'm all for it. Let's make a run with Lowry, and if we lose in the offseason, that's fine. But E, to your point about what Bonatemp said, like I listen, I just don't believe nostalgia is a great way to plan for the future. So I'm telling you, like that's I think teams do that all the time. They they feel uh, some sort of responsibility. These players have did something for them in the past, which I get is all which is nice. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna hang his his. Um, uh, his jersey in the Raptors and the Raptors one day. That'll be great. We, we will acknowledge what a great Raptor. But right now, like I don't think we, re- I don't think we reward any uh, player for what they did two or three years ago. It's like, listen, we're trying to do this now. And to your point, let's stay relevant, right? Let's not become that seventh or eight seed. Let's not be Orlando, right? Because no one wants to be. I, I'd rather listen. I'd rather be a thirteen uh, seed than an eight seed every year because at least I'm building up to the draft or getting. I'm I'm doing. I'm trying to get some young young talent. Whereas I don't want to be middling in that lower tier. So 
those are the two options. Either make another move and make a run with this team if you think they can, but I'm with Kitch. Brooklyn looks impossible. Let, let me let me let me ask you guys a question. Would you feel any differently if the team had the exact same record as they do right now? Uh, the, the 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 future short and long term looks exactly as it does right now. And when I say future, I'm talking this season. Yeah. But Giannis didn't sign that contract. Like, would Lowry be playing into your decision in terms of no, 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 we're keeping him because we want Absolutely. him here next year, and we're trying to sign him, and we're trying to sign Giannis and whatever else. So that yeah. does factor in. Thousand percent. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lowry's a huge piece of the puzzle if we're going to get a guy like Giannis, right? Then you it's all just and then you know what? I would even be okay with that scenario if Giannis went to the free agent market, we didn't trade Lowry, we still don't get him. It's like, yeah, well, we played our hand, right? We did the best we could to try and entice right. him and it didn't work. Like, I'm okay with that. All right. All right. All right, listen, we uh we have a new quest on this uh, podcast. You to keep it under an hour, so we got to move on. So all the other stuff that I sent you, you can just forget about it. We're gonna go right <laughs> into. We're gonna go right into our favorite segments, and I hope you have. I'm sure you. Nobody do. wants to talk about the All Star game anyway. So no, I know. I agree. No. MVP race. Who cares? We'll deal with that later. Uh, I did it's want to, the, only, the only thing I want to talk about with the NBA just quick, just quickly. Do you not think the NBA refereeing is at an all time low right now? Uh, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's all time low, but, but in recent memory, it yeah, seems... I mean, it's, 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 it's inconsistent. It's, there's no doubt. It's, it hasn't been great. I think that they've lost a lot of uh, good officials in the last, you know, three to five years, uh, whether it be retirement, whether it be guys moving on to the jobs with the league and working in, you know, the replay centers and all that. There are a lot of young officials. There are a lot of, uh, you know, inexperienced officials, uh, which is, you know, certainly, you know, factored into the the inconsistencies that we've seen on a nightly basis and that's not just for toronto that's you watch any oh, game it's I, I agree it's, it's I agree. yeah it's, it's it it's, hasn't been great it's a it's a problem that it's bubbling up and i'll tell you what if they don't address it soon i think it's a big big problem moving forward because it i it's just awful to watch sometimes and then end of games we won't even get to that end of games are ridiculous but um yeah i just think it's one of those things that uh is is not good for the league and i don't get the sense that they care but who knows? Well, I think these point, I think like there is, there is a lot of young guys in there and, and you're right. They put all these positions that drag these, these senior guys out to do another role where they're not on the road or they're not calling the games, but they're getting a paycheck working in the studios, doing, doing things in the sidelines. So now you got, you got, uh, the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves of, uh, of the, of the, uh, refing column or they are they are coming in and, and starting that from scratch. So we probably got to give these refs a couple of years to grow into the sport a bit because there's just a, there's just there's too many young ones out there now. And when you say young guys, I think you meant to say young men and women. And sorry, young, 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 young individuals. Yeah. Young individuals. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, all right, listen. Here we go. We're at it. We're out of uh, we're out of time to talk NBA. So we are moving into e our favorite segment. And I believe you you participated the first time around, which is good. Uh, so we'll do, so you should be old hat at this. But we're into what drives you, Kitch. You're going to kick us off. I think you have one, Kitch. You said you had a good one. I do. I got a good one. So you're going to kick us off, Ethan. I'm going to throw it to you, and then I'll finish. All right, so this going last weekend, for the first time in about two years, I decided I would watch a soccer game again. So I haven't watched soccer since. You mean European football? Yeah, what the European Champions League yeah, football? Yeah, 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 yeah. Champions League. Yeah, so okay. Liverpool, Liverpool, and Fulham or Fulham or Premier, so Premier League, Premier League. Yeah. So I'm watching the game, and it does still astonish me. For there's two things that drove me crazy. One thing was the one of the best players on Fulham who scored the only goal in the game. He got injured four times in the second half, like like career ending, looking like he's dead injuries where he is laying on the ground like he's been shot. And so I just focus on him for the next five minutes. He is up running full out two minutes later. Four times he went down in that second half. Like, so I'm equating that too. So I watch basketball. Let's say a guy drove to the hoop and he got fouled in basketball. That mean that guy would roll around on the ground on the basketball court for a good two or three minutes at the stop play and, and, and throw it up. So that... That was the one thing that drives me crazy. But the thing that really drove me crazy watching the, watching the soccer game, which is even worse than this, was, the, out, fact, it out. was it the fact that at the end of the game, the outrageous, obvious stall tactics that go into place just make it look so gimmicky, the game. Like, like the fact that they, they, make, they make three or four subs in the last 10 minutes. The guy saunters off the field, walks as slow as he can to the sideline for the next guy to come on. The fact that they, they have calf injuries. The guys are always going down. Why not, like any other sport, do you not run a running clock that everybody sees that stops when the whistle goes? Like, that's just 
that's just tradition for every other sport. Why does this sport have this vagueness in the time all at, at, at all elements where they where they decide not to stop the clock? There's four minutes left, but they kill two minutes doing a uh, doing a goal kick with the with the goalie has to set it up and step back and reposition. Like it's just a it, it is terrible to watch at the end of a game, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> Okay, so well, I just don't watch it. You know, I just say it is. It's I, I, I'm, I'm kumbaya because I don't even watch soccer, so I don't get all fired well, up. So, you know, it's so Orso funny. made me bet on it. Orso made me bet on soccer, so I had to watch. I had a vested interest in that one game, and uh, I don't have to go back for two more years now. So, but it's funny because uh, I have a fair number of Brit friends uh, in my circle in Bermuda, and they just tear apart North American sports about all the things that they don't like about it too. Uh, like they did commercials, timeouts, all that shit. They're just like, that's ridiculous. We just have, we have a half, we have a, a halftime and then we have our second half and that's it. Um, so the only thing I would say when you, you had me until you started talking about the end of the game shit, because the NBA, I mean, now we were delving back into what we were about to, uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier, the end of an NBA game. Do you know the other day there was a college basketball game? I think it was Iowa and somebody, uh, one minute oh, of real that. took 20 minutes. Took yeah. 20 minutes. The NBA, the NBA with, their, that, yeah. with their unlimited review capabilities towards the end of the game to see if a ball, like the end of basketball games are just as bad as the end of any sport now. E, would you not concur? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it can get very tiring. Tedious. Tedious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it kills the flow. It kills the excitement. So and the, and the NBA, like they have to centralize that. They don't, don't make that ref on the court, run over to the screen, pull the screen up, try to try to pull the screen off the deck. Makes, like just have someone from New York say, Call is wrong. Change it like like that, like that, like Major League Baseball does. Well, I'll I'll say this. uh, Two things you just brought up, Kitch. I mean, this would be, you know, a whole entire topic for another day. I I don't even like the replay system in the NBA because I I, I hate the uh, actually replay in most sports. Because if technology exists to be able to get the call right, then I should be able to ask for the replay for any call. So when they, they try to dictate and determine which calls you can actually try to ask for the replay on, but no, no, you can't for these ones. It's like, no, 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 hold on. If the technology exists to be able to get it right, I should be able to ask for anything. Right. And I also don't like the fact that teams, uh, you know, uh, you know, I should have unlimited replays if I'm right. If I'm wrong, then fine. Absolutely. But if yes. I'm right, why am I losing it? It's, it I, I haven't understood that. That's where the NBA needs to address that. Yeah, they, they, they're they at the very infancy of trying to figure this thing out, but they need to figure it out because they haven't done a lot with it in the last five years. We talk, and I don't want to go too long on this, but if you can check to see if a guy was, you know, he can shoot the ball and go through the hoop, they can say it's a three. And then three timeouts later, they can go back and say, oh, no, we checked. It was the foot was on the line. It's now actually a two, and they can change the score. But mm-hmm. they can't go back and see if there was a goaltend. Oh, I agree. Right. Yep. That's yep. two points. That's two points. It's huge. If, if it's a clear, like you have, so to your point, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's ridiculous. Well, it's here, I'll give you one another quick one. Very quick. All right, yeah. All right. Here we go. What we'll about when a now. team advances the ball across center, calls the timeout, but then they're allowed to still throw the ball into the backcourt when they come out of the timeout. You oh, already man. advanced it past center court. Why you, you can't use the full length of the court now. It's a ridiculous rule that makes zero sense, but yeah, you know what? Favorites. NBA is stupid. I'm done with the NBA. <laughs> I gotta watch soccer. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go back to soccer. Darts. I'll tell you what. You want to go? You want a good European sport? Go watch darts at the Alley Pally. That's awesome. Uh, okay, e, you're up. What drives? So I, this this doesn't have to be sports. It can be anything. No, anything, anything, anything you want. I mean, anything I, I, anything I, I can give you. I can give clearly, you clearly. I love it. As our as an all time as a uh, clearly a constant listener, you you don't know the uh, that you can well. No, I it. wanted to confirm for the oh, audience that, okay. that might be hearing for the first time. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, uh, the, go ahead. The first thing is is a pod that creates a segment like this that basically is just stealing from Family Guy with the uh, you know with with what really grinds my gears. Like you that's know you know. I, I've never, it, first of all, I don't watch cartoons. Okay, yeah, so I don't, well, know, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, go ahead. The 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 second one that I would probably come up with is when you when you know you're the type of person that is trying to be nice and giving back to the world and and giving of your time and whatever, and then you sit waiting for 20 minutes for a guy that's been doing a podcast for a year and not even be able to work a microphone and headphones, and then you sit around waiting and and you got people ringing on your app that are at your front door and whatever else, and you can't go because you you've been sitting waiting on this guy. So that's that certainly gets to me too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Thank you. That, wow. That was, yeah, you let that one out. Good. Very quickly for me. So I, uh, I'm a little bit, uh, punch drunk here this morning because, uh, I just spent 72 hours watching, uh, uh, junior tennis, uh, just outside of Atlanta. My, both my boys were in a tennis tournament. Uh, days usually start around five 30. They end they end at like nine 30, 10 o'clock. Doesn't matter. Uh, but what does matter is the USTA needs to get their shit together because 
the behavior that is tolerated at these tennis tournaments from these, and mostly it is mostly the under 12s that they are the worst. Uh, some of the older kids just get into it with each other, which is entertaining. But the behavior that's tolerated by these 12 year olds, the shit that they, they swear, uh, they degrade their opponent, uh, like for everyone to hear, they cheat. The cheating is off the charts bad. Like it's unbelievable how bad it is. And nothing is done about it. They, they have these sort of like middle, uh, not even middle, middle age is not right. Later aged people as the tournament, like officials who are supposed to be uh, roaming the courts. Well, for half the time they're just under their tent, sit there doing nothing. I had to go get an official yesterday to deal with a court that wasn't even my kid. My kid was playing next to him. I'm like, you got to deal with this. This is, is horrible. But I'm just, I could not believe how boorish the behavior was. Like, this was really bad. I've been in a lot of these terms. This one was really, really bad. And it's just that the USTA is okay with it. Like, I just think that is beyond ridiculous. These kids, like, they just, if everyone knew that you couldn't do certain things on the court, and if you did, you're immediately taken off the court and you're out of the tournament, it would end. It would be over. It's like, it was like the, the bench clearing brawls in hockey. As soon as you, like, you, you couldn't go over the boards, otherwise you were done, the coach was done, it stopped. They got to do something. It was really, really horrible. So there you go. That, that drove me. And I had to deal with it for 72 straight hours. So it drove me crazy. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Listen, new segment. And we're going to be, you cannot tell a happy story that long. So that's, this is good. Uh, we, because my wife has been saying since we've been doing this, that she thinks that what drive you crazy is a little bit negative uh, and that we need to counteract it with what makes you smile. Uh, I'm not sure I love the, what makes you smile as we'll get up and find a different, but today we're going to do something that, you know, positive, something nice that happened that you thought, Oh, that's a nice little moment I just had. All right, so Kitch is going first. We have to go in order here, right? Oh, I doubt Kitch has any, but yeah, I'm going to keep ahead. this very, very short. What makes me smile is the fact that it seems that vaccines are getting produced more quickly and we will get a vaccine sooner than forecasted a month ago. Um, so that makes me smile. Yeah, that's, like that's a good that's one. Like, I like, so that's yeah. a good, that's a perfect one for this segment. You're very welcome, good. Becky. You're welcome. Very good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> do, you, do you have do you have anything to make you smile after that after your traumatic that, that, morning? I mean that 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 is a good one because we could have done a real negative one on on Trudeau about a week or two ago, but the fact that things do seem I did. to be picking up now. Oh, I you did. did. Yeah, oh, I did. Yeah, I did. You're yeah. right. I, yeah. I, thank you yeah. for reminding I me. Yeah, I did, did hear that one. <laughs> yeah. um, um, you know what? Listen, I this this might be a little bit of cheese, but it actually is legit because as much as we bust balls and bust chops and everything else, uh, uh, you know, on this podcast or even over texts and whatnot, uh, it, it it is good to talk to you guys. Uh, it is good to see you guys, and quite honestly, we are almost a year today. People will 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 maybe not know this, um, but we're we're not only damn near a year to the day of of all this stuff starting and the NBA shutting down, the world shutting down, but we are just past the one year point of the last fun that I actually had in life, like legitimate fun, uh, at least outside of the four walls of my house and 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 beyond just my wife and my kid. Uh, and the fact that uh, I can look back positively on on the, the 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 one last good memory I had before you know all hell broke loose with the pandemic and with COVID, and that was being with you guys and and oh. and and Matt Devlin, Jack Armstrong, and Dave Leader, and 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 uh, and the rest of our crew, you know Travis and, and and Rocky and Chris and and all the guys that we were in Napa for an entire day and visiting wineries and 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 just uh, having you know probably a few too many drinks and lots of great food and good time. So that's that's my positive for the day is, is just having memories like that and 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 hopefully looking forward to be able to having new memories like that when we can actually get back to some semblance of normal, which certainly then ties into what what Chris said that hopefully you know the vaccines get us closer to normal than than ever before. That was a little better uh, than mine. That was a little better than mine. That was better than mine. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna need a minute. Just edit out the minute I'm about to take here, Mike. That was that was touching. <laughs> Thank you. That was that was sweet. Um uh, okay. Uh so mine, Kit, you're not gonna like this. Uh, but so after my uh 72 hours of watching tennis and the five hour drive home, uh, and I have not because I was coming in from Bermuda, so it's been three weeks since I've been here. Um my dog greeted me with a hero's welcome. Yeah, I, I might be something might be happening here. Uh, the, the, I, there might be a, I, that may have been a moment that where the dog and I are now are going to start to bond here uh, because it was unbelievable. Like it, I was mauled. I was mauled. Uh, and it was like it was a better hello than I got from anybody else. So it was. Yeah, I was like, OK, maybe the dog is going to pay off. This is this was nice. I, I, that was my that was my moment. So there you go. Thank you, Oakley. Oh, that's nice, too. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Yeah. I know. This, you know what? Maybe this is it. Maybe this weird. is weird. Section, section feels yeah. weird. Yeah, it totally weird. does. Yeah, it, it does oh, not I mean, flow. When you, ended, when you ended on, I'm feeling good about my dog. I, I don't know. I mean, it's nice, but right. I just don't know if it's as nice as mine or Kitch's. But uh, it's, no, it's, I, 
All it right. doesn't. I agree. It doesn't flow. It doesn't flow. All right. Listen, we got to go. We got to get out. Of here. I got to go. Uh, I got to spend the day with my daughter here. Uh, so another thing. Thanks you would so have much. been gone 20 minutes ago if you were on time. Know, so you know. well, <laughs> technology, Mike. I blame Mike. Producer Mike should have been on top of that actually. Uh, <laughs> all right. Listen. Quick. OB. I got a quick AOB. Or a quick oh. AOB. Next week, so next week we are going to break down March Madness basketball tourney. So tune in if you're filling out your brackets next week. We will we'll do our best to come up with the, as much as we can from the research in the in the basketball tourney and uh, and give you some insight before uh, filling your brackets for your pools. Well, there you go. That's it. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. All right, listen, we're out of here. Kwai, take it away. Kawhi up top. Looks at the clock, turns the corner for the win.